0: of Two P's on
1: a Podcast. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. The spooky season is upon us. It, of course, is October. And it is another spooky episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. I'm so thrilled that you joined us again this week. And I'm also thrilled because I have a first-time guest on the program tonight, and it's very exciting. I actually have met this person in person. We went to a film festival we were both invited to a couple years ago. That's the good part of that story. The bad part is she didn't remember me. (laughs) I've actually met you. And she said, oh, okay, I know who you are. And then she sent me a picture of us together. So that was kind of a weird roundabout way to to get re-acclimated with each other. But Lindsay Dunn is here. Lindsay, welcome to the show for the very first time. Thanks so much for being here.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. This should be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, I'm excited. I want to talk a little bit about kind of you getting chosen for this episode specifically because, you know, we, we do episodes all year long and there's always movies in the mix, but... Here you are smack dab in the middle of horror season And I am a giant horror fanatic And this is my favorite month of the show I just love talking anything spooky Scary movies, TV, whatever it is Horror Halloween themed And here you are This sweet little innocent Like I don't know if this is your thing I asked you Why don't you tell everybody mm-hmm. Abby, what, How does horror fit into your movie loving life over there? What, what are you, How would you categorize yourself?
0: <laughs> so the interesting thing is that You know, like many teenagers, I grew up and fell in love with horror. A lot of that was due to the Scream movies about that time. Mm -hmm. And I dove right into horror. And so much so that... At one point, I had to stop because I had was having nightmares about watching the horror movies. Like I would have nightmares, Mm. and I was I was living alone had you know living alone for the first time, and I started getting really scared to be alone. And so for a time, I cut horror out of my life, and I just said, you know, this is not for me. Then when I started my new job, I'm a librarian, and Mm -hmm. a lot of the people I work at at my day job, which is uh, this company called Novelist. I work with a lot of librarians that love horror. Sure. And I'm a very curious person. And so I would talk to them about why they liked horror and what they got out of it. And I learned that every person that loves horror has things that are triggering to them and they will not watch everybody has mm. their parameters within the horror genre and so i learned that it's okay that i we you know i know what i don't want to watch and then i can allow myself to explore the doors that i want to watch and so to be honest with you horror is probably the genre I watch most now, <laughs> oh, wow, which is okay. so interesting, mm-hmm. because a lot of I find that a lot of the most creative movies that are out there are in the horror genre, the horror thriller genre. It just as I've become an addict, sort of.
1: Right. Well, I already was. So I I understand where <laughs> you're coming from 100%. You know, and horror is very exciting right now, too. Like, especially with, you know, what happened with COVID for a couple of years. And Everybody was kind of scared to leave and go outside. It was almost like we were living in somewhat of a horror movie, like science fiction horror movie of some kind. It was very Mm -hmm. strange. It was almost like the plot of Contagion had become real life. Everybody's kind of going back to the theater in the last, you know, six months to a year. And I feel like horror is the perfect type of film to really get people back in the theaters. And you're around a crowd of people and you're excited together. You're scared together. You know, in a lot of cases you're having fun together with these horror movies so I'm glad to hear that that you kind of fit in that boat, too, because I was a little worried with you coming over here that you might think I was some kind of weirdo. You know what I mean? But it sounds like you have a love for this genre, too. So that's cool. Yeah. I'm used yeah. to
0: people making assumptions about me, you know, based on, like you <laughs> said, <laughs> like oh, and sweet and, yeah, librarian. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I'm a person of faith, and sure, and sometimes people don't think those things go together with horror. But I think that's it's wrong. really
1: cool. I think it's really cool that it does. That's really awesome, actually. So, Lindsay, tell everyone real quick. Now we're talking about Blumhouse tonight, so mm-hmm. we'll talk a little bit about that movie studio and kind of like your research because you and I are friends on social media and you agreed to do this episode a couple months ago. And you said, okay, (laughs) like I I need to research. So I haven't seen a lot of these, these films and we'll talk a little bit about that. But before we get there, Tell a little bit about what you do, because you have a really cool entertainment website, One of My Stories, right? Right. And you basically write and review films. And even, I think I saw Cobra Kai on there recently, the the TV show.
0: (laughs) There's a lot of Cobra Kai stuff.
1: Yeah. So talk a little bit about what you do over there and where people can find you.
0: So my website and my brand is One of My Stories. That's the number one of my stories.com. I'm also on Twitter at One of My Stories, Instagram, all the good stuff. And... The reason for my brand is that I believe stories can change hearts and minds and be forming to your identity. And so that's that's kind of how I came up with my brand, meaning these are the stories I'm watching that are impacting me, whether they are hey, this resonates with something I already believe or it's now something, a new thing. I've been introduced to a different world or a different viewpoint different than mine. And I feel like that's really important in forming community and making connections with people around me and the world around me. Um, I do, it's mostly movies. I review movies and also select TV shows like Cobra Kai, The Netflix series Dark, I'm completely obsessed with. So Mm -hmm. if you ever want recaps for that show, that's all there. Also Stranger Things. And, uh, but it's mostly, it's mostly movies, a lot of horror, a lot of film festivals, Mm -hmm. uh, indie, indie movies. It's really important to me that I bring movies to the attention that I don't think are getting the attention of, of people and, stories that are really important and make a big ac- impact on me so that's that's kind of what i'm doing plugging and chugging away at one of my stories it's
1: a really cool site it really is i, I love reading your reviews and obviously when we met the film festival it was cool to see when you covered some of the stuff we saw there a couple years ago now Lindsay, you're here first time guest on the show <laughs> we do top fives right so we're we're diving into the top five blumhouse horror movies this was one of the horror topics that I picked for this year. I had five topics on the docket for the calendar of a year, or month of October. And I decided to do Blumhouse because I feel like, at least on a mass scale to the general audience out there, that from a production studio standpoint, they really have kind of grabbed hold of a lot of, of the, public, the public's horror viewing, in, at least in the cinema. When you were doing your research, because like we said a few minutes ago, you wanted to dive in and see a lot of these movies that you hadn't had a chance to see yet. Blumhouse Mm -hmm. has, I want to be careful, but because I do think there's some gems in there, but Blumhouse has maybe fallen victim to the quantity over quality kind of recipe. Maybe that could be argued. What do you Mm -hmm. think? What do you think when you were diving into Blumhouse's catalog without giving any of your top five away?
0: Well, to be honest, and I mean, you may be this from our interactions, but I wasn't too excited about the Blumhouse topic and and kind of, I'm glad you explained. I was like, why didn't you choose Blumhouse? Right. But... I think the deal was of the three topics that you gave me, it was the one that appealed to me the most because Mm -hmm. one of them was scary TV shows. And just my preference is always to do movies. And I can't remember what the other one was that you offered me. But with Blumhouse, my feeling about it was that this is sort of generic horror.
1: Mm-hmm. And I feel
0: bad because Blumhouse, I counted you out. I mean, I I, I really wasn't yeah. expecting anything from this, but I've I've really enjoyed it, and well, I was able cool. to get some you know get some suggestions. How can I narrow down this list? Because there were quite a few movies on the list. I think I like I said I have a preference for for totally indie cinema, and I kind of put Blumhouse on that kind of mid-budget studio film and there's a lot of franchises and once something becomes a franchise and Mm -hmm. there's multiple things that that kind of tends to be a turnoff for me so i wasn't you know initially that enthusiastic but i am a dedicated researcher when i'm given an assignment so um i i really i had a blast with this and i just want to thank you for uh for giving me this opportunity to learn more about blumhouse and find the hidden the hidden stuff
1: well that's great i can't i'm so excited to see what you named i'm imagining we'll have at least a couple crossover because there are some like Really good gems in their catalog. And like I said, quantity over quality is maybe an argument that could be had with Blumhouse. But one thing that I love about them, too, is that, you know, love it or hate it. And I'm talking about any movie that they might release, you know, A, B, C, D, E, whatever title you want to throw in there. They are bringing horror to the masses. And that's what I really respect and really love about Blumhouse. They are, you know, letting it be seen on a wide scale. And what's interesting about that and kind of piggybacks on what you said, too, Lindsay, Is that they're a mid tier kind of studio, but they're kind of giving a voice to these indie filmmakers in a lot of ways that are now, you know, a lot bigger, like your Lee Winnell's, your James Wands, uh, David Gordon Greens, you know, like these filmmakers that might be somewhat synonymous in Hollywood circles now, but at the beginning infancy stages, perhaps they were not. And I think Blumhouse may have had a little bit to do with kind of getting their resume out there in Hollywood, so to speak. And I really respect that. And Anytime horror is front and center and it's you know making millions of the box office and it's on the tip of everyone's tongue, I'm all about it. So for that reason, I love Blumhouse and kind of what they've done for the genre in the last 10 to 15 years.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a recognizable name. And mm-hmm. I, I completely agree with what you said, especially from that little video clip I shared with you about the history right. of Blumhouse. Mm-hmm. And it kind of talks about that, how... Jason Blom wanted to combine the best aspects of making a studio film mm-hmm. and an ind- independent film and make it more pleasant for the filmmakers. And the whole idea was to give these indie filmmakers a voice and a platform for bringing their vision, and I really respect that.
1: Yeah, me too. I'm excited to have you here. Lindsay Dunn, first-time guest. One of my stories is her website, guys. Make sure you check it out. All the information will be in the show notes. We're going to run through our top five Blumhouse horror movies. I do want to give a little asterisk up at the top because it is October. We're doing all spooky, so we are only doing films that would be considered in the horror genre from Blumhouse. They have done some really, really good stuff that's outside of the realm of horror as well, but those will not be topics that we'll be discussing this evening. We'll be sticking to the spooky, scary stuff. Right, Lindsay? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you get us started, Lindsay. What's your number five Blumhouse horror movie and why?
0: Okay, so my number five is kind of a dark horse candidate, and it was the very first movie, very last movie I watched, and I thought I had my five picked out, and this one oh. snuck in. And this is 2012's The Bay, directed by Barry Levinson, written by Barry and Michael Wallach. And this is another, you know, Blumhouse loves their found footage movies. Sure. But this is a kind of a mockumentary style about a small town that gets uh, overtaken by parasitic isopods. And what I loved about it was that it's kind of this small town, 4th of July. It almost had, you know, it was kind of the Jaws feel, except mm-hmm. instead of sharks, it's being overtaken by parasites in the water. Yep. And there's this sleepy town, and you're, you're discovering this through a variety of footage. We have newscasts, we have a survivor that is sharing her memories from it with her footage and just kind of learning about how this kind of a pleasantville place went from went from 4th of July revelry to nightmare in the span of 24 hours.
1: Yeah, the basic interesting one. It's not one that was on my radar for this list. I I only saw it the one time when it came out, which is I can't believe it's been almost it's been over 10 years now. Did you say 2012?
0: 2012, yeah.
1: Yeah, oh my God, For 10 years, I can't believe that. <laughs> but what I remember, I love about this, just generally speaking, is uh, Barry Levinson. I mean, you know, Good Morning Vietnam. I mean, the guy is an established filmmaker that, at least to my knowledge, doesn't really dive into horror. I don't, I don't know if he even did horror prior to this. So I really like that he's kind of like got this new genre to play with, too. You know, and he's such an established filmmaker because it was a really well-made movie. And I think mm-hmm. you could tell... Because it's a Barry Levinson film, you know?
0: It was really disturbing and I you know as I watched it, I almost forgot I was watching a movie. It felt like I was watching a newscast of this horrible thing that happened to the small town and there's right. a lot of body horror in it and yes. it just the it so it really kind of got that fear trigger going that you want in a horror movie. I mean, that's kind of important. Uh, a horror movie, first and foremost, has to ignite fear. Um, so right. it was terrifying seeing – because if you're, if you're talking about the water, how can you – everybody needs water, right? You right. know, you need water to survive. Right. So
1: Yeah, you mentioned the Jaws analogy, which I think is a great one, because, I mean, really a, a lot of stuff borrows from from Jaws, of course, so there's no shock there, but – you know, a movie like The Mist even, I can, I kind of think of like, you know, mm-hmm. kind of the small town community dealing with this tragic occurrence that's kind of unexplained, you know, so I just haven't seen that one in so long. I, I'm interested to see, you know, what might be weird tonight, Lindsay, is like, if you give me homework, because in October, which is <laughs> it's not, it's not going to shock you, but in October, I don't watch anything but horror. Like, I purposely don't watch any movies unless they're horror movies in the month of October. And uh, I'm wondering if maybe I'm going to revisit some of these that you named because I haven't seen The Bay in 10 years now, which is crazy. So, I might might revisit that one. But I remember enjoying it. And that's uh, your number five, The Bay from 2012. My number five, I'm going to kick things off with a film from 2020 directed by Lee Winnell, The Invisible Man, starring Elizabeth Moss. Did you get a chance to see this one during your research?
0: Yes. Yeah, absolutely.
1: All right, cool. Well, I I love this movie. I mean, obviously, this is a loose Uh, I don't even know if remake's the right word, but it's kind of a loose retelling of the old uh, universal monster of the Invisible Man. I believe it was originally in the 1920s or 30s. It was a long, long time ago. And we have a modern kind of spin on it here. And what I love is that Winnell and his use of negative space in this movie and how a lot of the scariest things in this film are things that you can't even see. You know, I mean, the the climax of the film, the last act of the film, it all kind of starts to come at you uh, and you do see it all visually. But leading up to that point, it's a lot of just kind of is is the person there? Are they in the room? What is she feeling? You know, breathing down her neck, like, you know, just a lot of like ifs and maybes, which were really scary. And then kind of the domestic violence kind of aspect that was around Elizabeth Moss's character in the movie and how frightening that must have been for her. And, and that's also horrific too. And that makes you really connect to her and her story. There's some scenes in this movie that I'll never forget, like the dinner scene when she's out with her sister and, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you probably know what I'm talking about. And and it was a very brutal uh, death that happened in front of this packed restaurant in the movie. And it was shot beautifully and uh, a lot of great uh, practical effects with the blood work and stuff in that scene. But yeah, I, I love this movie. A lot of, um, you know, Elizabeth Moss is one, in my opinion, one of the best actresses of the last 10, 15 years. And I think she does great stuff here, too. It's a very scary film. It's very tense. And I love kind of the ambiguity and how it just kind of lets the viewer, at least in the first half of the movie, kind of like wonder, you know, what's going on in the frame and and what we should be scared of. And uh, it's it's a wonderful take on on a classic Monster, if you will, in the Invisible Man. So, what did you think about this one? It's my number five.
0: Yeah, I, I really liked the Invisible, Invisible Man. It did not make my top five, but Elizabeth Moss definitely gives a memorable performance. And you also mentioned the the tenseness of this movie. It's also a really gorgeous movie with mm-hmm. the the set pieces just from the very beginning. You know, she's in the she's in the boyfriend's mansion right. and. There's just this palpable sense of dread. Yeah. And I remember one of the toughest things about this movie I felt was Elizabeth Moss is having to act against Invisible Presence. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like the kitchen scene and how I I remember going, wow, this must have been so difficult to film when you're grappling with a miserable presence, and I, you know, I didn't watch behind the scenes to see how they put that together, but it, I, I felt like it was a very physically challenging role as well as mental for for Elizabeth Moss.
1: Sure, and I think she was a great, you know, choice to, to act. I mean, she's killing it lately, you know, with the Handmaid's Tale and everything else, and she's done so many. Her smell that came out a couple of years ago, I freaking loved her performance in that. I mean, she's just one of the best, in my opinion, at least like recently in Hollywood. And I thought it was a great casting choice as well. And she just absolutely nailed the role. So, The Invisible Man is my number five. You had The Bay at number five. What's your number four, Lindsay?
0: My number four is The Belko Experiment from 2016, directed by Greg McLean, written by James Gunn, and starring a large ensemble cast.
1: Mm-hmm. It is. Why do you love this one?
0: Well, it gets, you know, it's corporate America. Um, this, you know, kind of almost like office space meets Squid Game. Um, got <laughs> no, these, I like that. <laughs> it's this, this social experiment where 80, uh, 80 American, you know, employees are locked in this office and the only way to survive is to kill your fellow employees. And it almost served as a, you know, an analogy for what real corporate America is like. It's kind of like dog eat dog, you know, sure. ser- <laughs> prey versus predator and killer be killed. So, um, and you had this, Initially, these these people trying to be, hey, uh, I am the benefactor, I'm the person in charge, I'm going to take care of you, seeing that person transition into the most lethal person. And the things we tell ourselves to convince ourselves we're doing what's right, you know, we need to keep these guns safe by <laughs> <My> mm-hmm. opening <laughs> where they're being kept safe. Um, just it was... I liked, one of the things I liked about it, it was kind of different. I think when you look at the, the Blumhouse stuff, a lot of the things that I'll be talking about are definitely small scale. This felt a little bigger scale. And so I liked how it, it sort of was a nice change of pace, maybe from some of the, some of the other movies that'll be, that I'll be mentioning. Um, so there was just, there's a lot to like, like about it. It did a really good job. You know, it has a short intro and then it gets right into the terror. Right. And people trying to figure out how to, what to do and how they're going to interact now that they're in this new environment and seeing them all deal with that.
1: Yeah, I like this one. You know, what I love about the Belko experiment is like the originality. I mean, it's just so unique. And I think, and you mentioned Office Space meets uh, Squid Game, which I love. I'd actually never heard anyone say that before, but you know, it's like the Hunger Games in the office. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. uh, it's a very, you know, it's it's dark humor, but it's funny at times too, which is kind of weird because it's so horrific, you know, what's happening. And if you could place mm-hmm. yourself in that setting, I mean, it would not be funny, you know? So it's kind of funny that you giggle at times too, but there's some great supporting roles that I remember in this movie too Michael Rooker, uh, John McGinley, John C. McGinley's in this. Uh, he yes. was like he was like that weird yeah yeah he did that really he strange. He from
0: Office Space.
1: Yeah, I know from Office Space, which is great casting. Uh, but kind of <laughs> like James
0: a, Gunn. Yeah, James Gunn's in this movie.
1: James Gunn, yeah, dude. Uh, so this is a good one. I thought about this one when I was looking at a list of movies that they did, but it didn't end up cracking my five or ten. But I I do love this movie and I've seen it a few times and. Uh, you're, you're continuing your surprise of me, Lindsay. I love the Bay. I love Belko experience. I love your pick so far. So my number four is arguably, <laughs> mm, I, I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, this is the movie that really kind of catapulted Blumhouse into the major motion picture studio that it is today. And it's paranormal activity. That's my number four. And the reason that this had to make my list, and I'm talking about the original, although there are some of the sequels that I love too, the reason that this movie had to be in my top five is because I don't get scared very often as a horror fan. This movie Mm -hmm. scared the (laughs) ever-living shit out of me when I saw it the first time. I didn't see this movie in the theater, which is also strange. I don't remember why, but I didn't catch it in the theater. And I've told the story on my main show before, but... I, my wife used to work for the North Carolina theater and she did like costume design. So she would have these shows for like, you know, a week, 10 days or whatever. And this is before we had our two sons. So she went to work one of her shows one night and I was like, all right, well, I'm going to watch this. I wish I'd gotten to see this in the theater. I didn't. So I'm going to go and watch paranormal activity. Mistake. <laughs> Absolutely mistake. I was home by myself. <laughs> it was because she didn't get home till midnight or one after those shows, you know? So, mm-hmm. I'm like by myself till one o'clock in the morning, I watched it in the dark. I mean, it was like literally the worst scenario and I just had to sit in my house with the lights on until she got home because I was just so scared after seeing this movie. It was so minimalistic. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I watched a couple days ago that clip you sent me. Actually, Jason Blum's talking about how he's the one that pulled the sheet off on that right. one, that one infamous scene where the sheet kind of gets pulled off the bed while they're laying in their bed. Uh, so minimalistic, like very, very low budget just doesn't really show you a lot. I mean, there's a couple of startling like jump scares and stuff, but it just kind of creates this this aura and this atmosphere. And I mean, who's not afraid of being in like a big house? And if, if it were haunted or if these weird things were happening in the house that you live in, like. I mean that's some scary stuff, you know what I mean? And I had only lived in this house for a couple of years when I saw that, and I was like, "What are? What is happening?" <laughs> like, so it had to make my top five because I have such fond, a fond connection to this movie because of how much it scared me, which does not happen very, very often. But yeah, it came out in 07. I probably saw it when I when I, the story I'm telling you was probably like in 2009 or 10. I probably saw it for the first time uh, mm-hmm. when I watched it at home. So it's it's remained one of my favorite. Definitely like favorite, quote unquote, found footage movies. I love Paranormal Activity. How do you feel about this one?
0: So I wish I had had, I didn't have a chance to rewatch it, but I saw it when it first came out. Mm -hmm. And I also have fond memories of seeing it with my... Sisters, we were all watching it at home. Mm -hmm. I don't remember at what point my parents started allowing us to watch horror movies, but that was one of them. And we were all sitting in there. And I do remember it was very scary. And you, it it creeps up on you Mm -hmm. how scared you get because it all seems so normal. Every, you know, what they're doing seems so normal. It's like, okay, we are, well, except for the fact that she thinks she's being spoken to by uh, a person beyond the grave. I mean, that's not exactly normal, but. Right, sure. But the way he, the way they kind of juxtapose the wife as, you know, she's the one, she thinks she's hearing these voices. And he's like, oh, come on, are you? I just remember how it is very effective. It's very scary and it creeps up on you how scared you get. So I have fond, fond memories of it, but, and I actually had it on my list of, um, ones to rewatch and, and didn't get to it, but it's definitely the quintessential. Uh, Blumhouse movie, isn't it? That being the kind of the genesis.
1: Yeah, I mean that's kind of what I'm thinking. I mean I'd have to go back and really look at the lineage of their, the history of their films, but I think this was the one where everybody was like, oh, okay. I mean because it's it's one of those films in horror that is a is I mean you'd probably say Blair Witch, which came in '99, I think, but I mean this was only eight years later, and it was a little bit different. It was a haunted house movie at its core. I don't know, man. I mean, you know like you know what freaks me out is the baby monitors. You know how you, s- <laughs> you see the baby body, you see like an image on there or something or something that looks weird in the bed, you know. Like that kind of stuff just like freaks me out. So paranormal activity was like 90 minutes of that, you know, where they're capturing all this stuff on their home video cameras. And it's just like, I don't know, if you just think to yourself and if you can put yourself in that place where like you wake up the next morning, right, and you're like to your wife or whatever and you're like, Okay, let's see what's on the tape. And you see something like that on the tape? Like, forget it. I'm gone. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to live there. Like, not even in the same state. Like, I'm, like, leaving. You know what I mean? So, it just mm-hmm. effectively kind of created that for such a, a minuscule budget, too. And and look at how what it's become. There's, like, I think maybe seven, six or seven films in the franchise now. It's, like, it's crazy. So, it was all spawned from this. So, I have a, a fond connection to it. So that's my number four paranormal activity. I'll be interested if you rewatch it, Lindsay. Let me know what you think if it still holds up for you.
0: Mm-hmm. I do. And that's, really
1: will. that swings us over to you. What do you got at number three?
0: All right. So my number three is actually when I looked at interesting thing about this one is when I looked at the list. This was the very first movie I saw, and I was like, okay, that's definitely gonna be on my top five because I love that movie. And that is 2015's The Gift, ah. directed and written by Joel Edgerton of all things. I, you know, I knew he was in the movie, uh-huh. but I actually just found out <laughs> tonight that he directed and wrote the whole thing too. It's only one of two movies he's directed.
1: This is the one with uh, Jason Bateman, right? Jason yes, Bateman and. Yes. Um, Rebecca. Rebecca Hall. Hall, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah right. I, I, it's another one I haven't seen since it came out, but I remember this is this is a trippy movie, man.
0: Mm-hmm. This was a total surprise for me at the time when I – I believe I saw it in the theater, and I thought it was going to be a Christian fiction movie.
1: Oh, wow. <laughs>
0: yeah, because I was like, oh, it's the gift. Uh, you know, like the, the Christmas shoes or whatever. <laughs> wow. um, you know, something like that. And yeah. it – you know, but it had Joel Edgerton. He was still – Early in his career, re- probably the first time I remember seeing Rebecca Hall was also in this movie. Yeah. And then it has Jason Bateman who plays an absolute asshole of a husband. Right. So three very memorable performances. And, uh, you know, there's, there's this married couple that moves into this new house. They run into Simon's old friend and he just keeps showing up to the house, doing favors and bringing them gifts. And. And it becomes super awkward, um, and very disturbing about midway through. So again, it, it creeps up on you, but this was, I remember just being a total surprise and I rewatched this one again. It was the first movie I watched as part of my Blumhouse project. Oh, and, nice. Okay. You know, I, I was like, this, this just, it just nails it from start to finish. It's very creative. Very not as bare bones as Paranormal Activity, but it's really these three performances. Right. Very simplistic story, and it's it's relatable. It's it's like you have you get you meet somebody who you remember from your past, and you're like, oh no, I don't want to see this person again.
1: <laughs> right? And
0: uh, yeah.
1: Well, I remember what was um, kind of funny, I guess, about this one too is like. I have this weird thing about like running into people, you know, from like high school or college, you know, when I'm out in public, which doesn't happen a lot. But when it does, I'm like, oh, God, and, I mean, I feel bad about that. But kind of like that's what this movie kind of like the foundation for this movie was, you know, they kind of ran into it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's a good one. That's another one I haven't seen. I think I thought of this one in my head, I guess, a little bit more as like a thriller. But you're right. It is. This is there's some there's some deep kind of creepy stuff going on in this movie. So and the plot twist at the end is really cool. I remember. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yeah, so the
0: poster the poster had like Joel Egerton, you know, holding a a large red present. So I mean, no wonder I thought it was a movie of holiday cheer. Uh,
1: That is wow! You really got blindsided with that one, huh? (laughs) The gift is your number three. Uh, Mm -hmm. Good pick. My number three. uh, I'm actually interested to see Lindsay if you saw this or if you care to see these types of movies. It is a slasher. And it happens to be my favorite horror villain of all time in Mr. Michael Myers. So I'm going to pick 2018's Halloween, directed by David Gordon Green. It's my number three. Did you ever see this or have you seen any of the Halloween films?
0: I've seen the original Halloween films. Do you remember how I just told you that there was a movie, the movies I started having nightmares about? Uh, it was the, the movie that really did it was... Halloween, the original.
1: 78 from 1978.
0: Mm-hmm. And I had seen it before, but just that particular night.
1: Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> so you so you stay away from Michael Myers then?
0: Well, no. I mean, now I probably would see it again. Okay. Uh, you know, I haven't seen any of the reboots, though. And I guess 2018 was the reintroduction of the franchise. Is that yeah, correct?
1: Yeah. So what David Gordon Green and Danny McBride did with Halloween in 2018 is they scrapped all of the sequels because... You know, they're fans of the franchise and fans of horror. And what a lot of gripes about the purists in the genre are how the sequels kind of went off the rails because it starts going in different directions. And like, there's a supernatural element built in. He's possessed. He's like, you, Jamie Lee ends up being his sister. Like, it's like a lot of like weird timeline issues. So they said, okay, you know what? Forget it. This is just the sequel to the first one. Like, none of the sequels happened. And we're going to pick up where the first one left off 40 years later. Just bringing that like iconic character back to life and the lore and kind of like starting from a pure perspective where we don't have any of the baggage to weigh us down from all these different storylines that happened before, you know, the 40 years prior to it. And if you watch the original and then you watch this one and they're kind of like back to back it's like a perfect, it's a perfect doubleheader. So the kills were much more brutal. They were much more prominent in this film. You know, the first film is revolutionary and easily one of the best horror movies of all time. It really invented the slasher, at least in America. And uh, the difference is though, is it was a a much more of an atmospheric horror film where, you know, Michael was stalking Lori and stalking the babysitters and You know, it wasn't as brutal as what you get in the latest incarnations of of Halloween, especially in the most recent Halloween kills, but even more so in 2018 as well in Halloween. But I just love Michael Myers. He's my horror guy. So there's no way Mm -hmm. that I couldn't put it on the list. I love the movie when it came out. I had chills because I was just. Love that character so much, and I was so excited to see him back on the big screen. You know that was a big deal for me too because you know in 1978 I would have been three years old, so I'm not going to see Halloween <laughs> on the big screen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. But I got to do it with this and with with the sequels that have come since. So yeah, I, you how know, are you I, feeling I, uh,
0: about the uh, how are you feeling about the Halloween ends coming out? Are you excited about that?
1: I'm ready. I'm ready. I, okay. I, I'm ready. I you know I'm upset because. I think it probably is it. I mean, unless they just do a straight-up reboot and they start, you know, all over again. Or if they do, like, a copycat situation like Scream, you know, how it's a different ghost face or whatever. Unless they start doing Mm -hmm. something like that, I mean, it's got to be over. I mean, the guy's, like, you know, 100 years old now. Like, let's wrap it up, you know. So, I feel like it is really going to be over, which is bittersweet in a way. But I think Gordon Green did... I mean, I haven't seen the last one yet, obviously, but I think it's going to be a tremendous trilogy that I'm going to be a huge fan of. So I'm excited for it for sure. But you don't you are you're not doing these ones, right? Are you maybe someday? No,
0: I would. I I did want to watch Halloween, but you know, I'm sorry, I'm cheap, so I couldn't find it for free anywhere. Um, but I am planning on seeing the new one when it comes out. Well, you and- should have hit
1: me up. I got a digital codes. <laughs> I could send you all kinds of stuff. Man. <laughs> yeah. If you want to see, yeah, in no, fact, like if you want to watch reflex. these two, if you want to watch these two before ends, I can send you the codes. You can watch them both and then you go see ends.
0: That would be amazing.
1: Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I got you. I'll take mm-hmm. care of you. Anything, okay. to, anything to expose folks to Michael Myers, I'm all about it. So I'll take care of you. So <laughs> that's my number three, Halloween <laughs> from 2018. So far, regular listeners of my show are like, okay, we know. <laughs> Like, you like this stuff. But, yeah, I'm always talking about Michael on the show. So, that's my number three. Swings us back over to you for your runner-up. Lindsay, what do you got?
0: All right. So, my number two pick is going to be no surprise to people that are familiar with me. Everybody knows I adore Mike Flanagan. And so, this is going to be Oculus from 2013, Mm -hmm. directed and written by Mike Flanagan with Screenplay Assist by Jeff Howard and Jeff Seidman. And starring Karen Gillan, Brenton Thwaites, Katie Sackhoff, and, of course, the Mike Flanagan siren, Kate Siegel.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's in everything he does, right? Actually, <laughs> yeah. I think she is. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> she.
0: So this was actually his second feature, and this was maybe the first time she showed up in one of his movies, Oh, I okay, believe. all
1: right. Okay. mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: And she played a very minor role.
1: Yeah, yeah, I remember that too. Yeah, Mike Flanagan's a master, uh, especially like on the TV side. Some of the things he's done with Midnight Mass and Hill House. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just love his kind of dark, eerie, you know, atmospheric way of telling a story where it's like, you know, it leaves a lot to the imagination, but it still will show you stuff too. This is another one. This is the third one in a row that you are actually the fourth one in a row that you've listed. (laughs) because all of them would, would apply. I haven't seen since they came out. Mm-hmm. Did you I do mean, that did this... you do that on purpose? You didn't, like, know, <laughs> you didn't know that, did you?
0: No, absolutely not. <laughs> um, I don't know what you've been watching. You told me we were keeping it all secret. I know, wow. Um, but th- this has, you know, Mike Flanagan is my horror soulmate. I mean, anything I watch of him, it feels like coming home. And mm-hmm. in a way, Oculus was his test case, I guess, for Haunting of Hill House, because we've got the – you know, the creepy old house, you have the kids, and then the kids grown up and childhood trauma and trying to deal with that and figure out what's real and what was imagination, there's addiction, mental illness. So it was sort of his his test case. And, you know, I just, I, I loved it. It was like watching A Haunting of Hill House, the, the progeny edition, you know, like the, you know, just right, like the origin right. story kind of. <laughs> right. Um, so, Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, I think it's a great pick. I love Flanagan, so I'm definitely not going to argue with that. Uh, I got to. I'm going to watch all your. I think I'm going to watch your. I don't know who your number one is, but I'm probably going to watch your top five this this Halloween season because I love that mm, your name naming- has
0: me. This has me so curious now. What your number two and number one are going to be? <laughs> yeah,
1: let's let's go. All right, so you know you mentioned Mike Flanagan. I feel like this guy, cinematically, I think Flanagan's. I mean, you know, he's a filmmaker, obviously, but he's killing it on the TV side. But when it comes to like cinema, this director and a couple other ones are like the they're just literally driving the horror bus right now. And they can do no wrong. You know, uh, Ari Aster comes to mind. But Jordan Peele is probably driving the bus. And I love all of his movies. Mm -hmm. All right. Including Mm -hmm. the most recent movie, Nope, that just came out. But my favorite film of his is my runner-up, and that's Us from 2019. Mm-hmm. All right. You've seen this one?
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. Love
1: it. Yeah, me too. Um, the kind of like – and he does this with all his movies, really, but the social commentary built in and kind of like the importance of the story and the the underlying kind of like, you know, what he's just, what he's trying to tell outside of the horrific story that we're getting as horror fans – uh, is beautiful, and he did it in Nope too, and he also did it in another film called Get Out. You know, and he's got this trilogy going where he's like really like trying to show us something as a as a public of things that we might have normally been shielded from, but he's also giving us this really cool kind of like you know fictional landscape as well. And this was such a cool like vivid story about these doppelgangers and what it means to really be ourselves and like what we're really afraid of and our own worst enemy and all those different kinds of things you could, you could put in there. And I thought he just, he tells the story so beautifully in my opinion, this is my favorite movie of his Lupita Nyong'o should have been nominated for the Academy Award for this film at playing that like kind of this dual role of like a good and evil version of herself. You know, it's just such great imagery comes from this film. Elizabeth Moss again on my list, by the way, she's in this movie mm-hmm. as well. So I love this movie. It's one of my favorites of the last like five years, and it's my favorite Jordan Peele film. It happens to be a Blumhouse, so it's my runner-up. What do you think about this one?
0: Us is probably also my favorite Jordan Peele movie. So nice. I love this movie. Jordan Peele is is a visionary. The way that he constructs sets and costumes it's just on a whole other level and I remember what I remember most about this movie is you have the intro at the carnival and then you go right into that uh wall of rabbit and the creepy the creepy opening number mm-hmm. um it just it just sets a tone and i you know i just love this movie i think i think you're right it's it's very scary it's you know it he knows how to pick the things that are going to impact you visually. And there's always so much you can discuss later afterwards with people, you know?
1: Right. And then, you know, there's different elements from the horror genre as a whole that are kind of incorporated into this movie. Obviously the psychological horror is there. Uh, Mm -hmm. The home, the home invasion aspect is there. You know, one of the most terrifying scenes in the movie is when, you know, we first meet the tethered and they come to the home and they're just kind of standing in the driveway. Uh, you know, backlit where you can only really see their shadows. And we later learn, and you know, that the sun has one of the best lines is just like, it's us, you know, like he he says that the little 10 year old boy or whatever gets it, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I love this movie, my favorite Jordan Peele flick. So spoiler alert, no other Jordan Peele movies on my list, even (laughs) though other, even though other ones may apply, but this is my favorite. So us is my runner up. All right, here we go, Lindsay Dunn. Uh, you came over here on Two P's. You've never been on here before. You're talking horror, and I'm I am I'm beyond like thrilled. Like It sounds weird because I barely know you, but I'm like proud of you because your list is like – I mean, really, it's like movies that I hope people seek out, and I personally am going to revisit at least four of them that you've already named because I haven't seen them in far too long, and I, I do have fond memories of all of those. So I'm excited to see what your number one is, though. What do you have for your number one Blumhouse movie?
0: So my number one movie is 2010's Insidious, directed yeah. by James Wan and written by Lee Whannell, who you've already mentioned, and who actually plays a minor role in this movie, which is yeah. really interesting, um, starring Patrick Wilson, Rose Byrne, Ty Simpkins, and Lin Shay. You, you mentioned Paranormal Activity as being a movie that scared the crap out of you. Insidious did that for me in a way that I, I didn't, did not expect at all. In fact, I started watching the movie and at until at a certain point, I thought, how is this scary? Right, <laughs> so I
1: right. was ready
0: to stop watching it. Uh-huh. Um, because it just seems so normal. It's like, Oh yeah, there's a family and their, their kid is, is maybe possessed and whatever. Um, but then when you bring, when you brought in, the uh the paranormal investigators the two dudes it got it changed to sort of sciency, and so it was this combination of a scientific view with a supernatural view of horror and um and it uh I actually had nightmares that night like after I finished the movie I had a really bad <laughs> really bad nightmare where i thought i saw something moving in the shadows it was so yeah sure
1: yeah well james wan is a horror master i mean we were talking about jordan peele we were talking about flanagan i mean you know there's a lot of big big horror names being thrown around on this podcast but i mean james wan is like just doing things that are just like hitchcock-esque mixed with like The kind of modern horror, you know, and the gore and stuff that he incorporates into some of his films. Insidious was cool though, because you're right, it was so scary. You know, I think I was probably more scared personally by one of his films called The Conjuring, Mm -hmm. but it's like that though. It's like in the same boat, they're in the same wheelhouse where just some of the imagery that came out of Insidious is like going to live on forever in horror. In horror film history, like, you know, the red demon face that pops up behind Patrick Wilson and like the jump scare there, this, mm-hmm. the, the, the creepy dark lit scene with the thing crawling on the damn ceiling. Like, forget it, dude. Like, I don't have time for any of that shit. Like <laughs> it's too scary, you know? And James Wan just has a knack for just like bringing nightmares to life, you know? And he just does it so beautifully. And it's just such a perfect, his style of filmmaking fits so perfectly in the horror genre, you know, because it's it's just shot in a very kind of like unsettling way, you know, His a lot of his scenes. So, this is one of his best easily, and it's in my honorable mentions. I thought about it for my top five, but it didn't quite crack the top five. But I agree mm-hmm. with you 100%. It's one of my favorites. Insidious. You're number one. Wow. Wow. Lindsay, full of surprises tonight. I love it. Insidious is a great movie, and you had a great list of films that people hopefully will visit. So there you go. My number one to finish out our discussion of our top fives here is a pretty recent film. And I've got another film from this filmmaker in my honorable mentions as well that I considered. But this is the one that ends up cracking the top five. And not only that, it's my number one from Christopher Landon. It's a movie called Freaky. Have you seen Mm -hmm. Freaky from 2020?
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Now, look, I, as a horror (laughs) fan, and just as a movie lover, like, and I think I said this when it came up on my horror comedies episode a few weeks ago, I have not had this much fun in a movie theater in years. Like, I was literally, like, grinning from ear to ear for, like, 90% of this movie. Like, I absolutely thought it was hilarious. It had, like, some of my favorite, like, campy slasher elements built into it. It had uh, a freaking like hot like chick coming in for the first time in a horror. Catherine Newton, I freaking love what she did in this movie. Vince Vaughn is I, I've always had a soft spot for him when it comes to comedy. Like he's just so hilarious to me. And you've got a situation here with Freaky where it's basically like Freaky Friday, but it's a horror movie. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned that earlier when you were talking about one of your picks, how with the Belko experiment, how they kind of mixed, you know, like office space with like you said, squid game. And so when you just mix stuff together like that, you put it kind of like in a hodgepodge and you just get this really unique product, you know, and it was just so cool. Like I know, I don't know if you're a big fan of like different types of kills on screen, but like some of my favorite kills of the last like five years were in this movie, the scene in the bathroom with the toilet bowl, the scene with the wine bottle and the throat, uh, the wood shop scene with the saw. I don't know if any of these are bringing back memories for you, but people, they that, are have not. <laughs> people that have seen this movie will probably know what I'm talking about. But there's some good, good kills in this movie. And I just had a freaking blast with it. Like Vince Vaughn, you know, for half this movie, playing it like a 17 year old girl is just like mm-hmm. hilarious. And then Catherine Newton. Is this badass serial killer in the body of a seventeen-year-old girl, and it's just gold. Like I just, I loved every second of it. It was, like I said, I saw it at the drive-in initially when I first saw it, and I hadn't been to the movies in a while because this was in twenty twenty. It was during COVID, so it was mm-hmm. the first movie I got to see, kind of like post COVID, not post COVID, but you know what I mean, post like not leaving your house. <laughs> and uh, I just had so much fun with it. Like it was just an absolute blast. It's one of my favorite horror movies of the last five years, so it had to be in here. And it ended up falling in my number one. Are you a fan of this one?
0: You know, I I am not. Wow, I, it's 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 fine. I remember seeing it, and I don't know. I think maybe it was too funny for me oh, to take it comedy. seriously as as a horror movie. It, yeah, it <laughs> right. was. I remember I remember it being kind of funny, but it, you know, in a silly way. Uh, sure. My my boyfriend at the time absolutely loved it.
1: <laughs> so oh, nice. There he, you go.
0: He really liked it. Uh, I was sort of mediocre about it. And I don't remember why it, it you know, it's a, it's a funny concept for a movie. And like you said, creative. And I, I enjoy that. But I don't remember much about it except for the girl walking in with the red jacket. Yeah. And um, the, the soundtrack was good. The soundtrack yeah, was good, yeah.
1: Did you mm-hmm. revisit this one for the episode or no? I did not. Okay. I'm curious to wonder what you think on a second viewing. Yeah, I absolutely love it. I mean, for all the reasons I mentioned, but it's just, it's just, I had so much fun with it. Like it just, I don't know. It was almost like it was the perfect moment in my life to be like, yes, I'm back in the movies. Like this was the first movie I went to see after COVID and gosh, I don't see how it could have been better, you know, like in my head. So I think it was like the timing too was so perfect, but I just loved it as a horror fan. it, It just gave me, it checked all the boxes for sure. So my number one is Freaky. There you go. I can't believe we didn't have any crossover. How about that, Lindsay?
0: D- does that make you happy? It or does. does that make. Okay, good. <laughs> no, it does.
1: Yeah. It's more movies to discuss, more movies for people to see if they haven't yet. I mean, I, I love that. I thought we'd have a couple, you know, with Jordan Peele being around there and uh, Invisible Man maybe. Like, I didn't know, but I was like, uh, maybe she'll name some of these, but I'm really glad you did and you gave people some, some different stuff to seek out. So I think it's great. I tell you what, Lindsay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to give our honorable mentions. I've got five here. We'll see what you want to shout out as well. And then we'll see what the fans had to say over online. Okay, so sit tight, everybody. We will be right back. Hello, listeners. Did you know that there is a lot more content where this episode came from? As you may know, we are an independent podcast and we rely on donations in order to keep going. Over on our Patreon site, you will find several ways to stretch your dollar. I am currently producing six exclusive series that you can only get there. They include popular ones such as My First Time and 100 G-Tunes. You'll also get regular main top five episodes, just like this one, super early, often weeks in advance. For as little as $1, you can help the show continue. Just visit us over at patreon.com slash two peas on a pod, or you can check the show notes for this very episode. Now let's get back to the countdown. Welcome back in guys. Lindsay Dunn is here. First time guest on the show from one of my stories. And we just told you guys a story. We gave you our top five Blumhouse horror movies. We didn't have any crossover. We listed 10 different films which is great. It does not always happen here on the show. So I think that's awesome. And hopefully you guys will seek out some of these movies that you have not seen. Lindsay, just do me a favor and sum up your top five again. Just wrap it up for everyone and remind them what you had.
0: So my number five was the Bay. Number four was the Belko experiment. Number three was the gift. Number two was Oculus. And number one was insidious.
1: Yes, nice list. My number five was The Invisible Man. Number four was Paranormal Activity. My number three was Halloween from 2018. My number two was Jordan Peele's Us. And my number one was Freaky from 2020. There you go. Like I said, 10 different movies. Now, we're going to shout out the fans online, Lindsay, here in just a minute. But before we do that, I'd like to see what honorable mentions we have that didn't quite crack the top five. What do you got over there?
0: I've got Creep.
1: Mm -hmm, directed
0: by Patrick Rice. I've got Sweetheart, which is a very unusual supernatural monster movie, which I think is kind of rare today. It's got like a strong female character. And then Flanagan's Hush, which is a home invasion starring a deaf mute character.
1: Yeah, yeah. I had a couple of those as well. So I rounded out my top ten, so I've got five honorables here. So my number six would have been Sinister, another one of the scariest horror movies I ever saw there, and Sinister. My number seven, you mentioned, would have been Insidious. My number eight would have been Get Out, the other Jordan Peele in my top ten. My number nine would have been Hush, which you just mentioned. And my number ten mm-hmm. would have been Happy Death Day, another comedic spin on a Groundhog Day kind of like tale. Christopher Landon, who also did Freaky, was a director of Happy Death Day. And absolutely mm-hmm. lo- I absolutely love those horror comedies. So there you go. That would be my top ten. Now, what we do to wrap up every episode Lindsay, Lindsay's, we head over to social media. And we see what the fans had to say in the old suggestion box. So let's head over there and see what they had to say. See if there was any that maybe we didn't get around to tonight.
0: Ooh, sounds good.
1: All right. So Jared Taylor, patron and friend of the show, says, Invisible Man, Get Out and Halloween 2018. Uh, I like that list, of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Amanda Enman, friend of mine, says, Get Out and Split, because those are the only two she's seen. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's not a horror person. <laughs> uh, Tony Dobbish, a patron and friend of the show, says, get out, and Invisible Man should be number one and two. He also really enjoyed The Black Phone, Freaky, and Happy Death Day. What did you think of The Black Phone? Did you see that this year?
0: The Black Phone was, was another really pleasant surprise. I... You know, it was – I I did see it, and I thought it was very well done. wasn't expecting really much out of it, but I got a a press invite, so I went, and it was really well – I thought it had great kid performances, which is important to me. If you're going to have a kid, they need to give a convincing performance, and that's one of the things I really appreciated about The Black Phone.
1: Yeah, for sure. Let's see. uh, Brad Hargis, patron friend of the show, says, Happy Death Day, Freaky, The Black Phone, Invisible Man, and Us – so he was all over the the list there. Uh, thank you, Brad. Christiani says Whiplash because it was horror from Miles Teller's character. <laughs> I think he's having some liberties with the brief, but uh, yeah, Whiplash is a great movie. I'll give him that. Uh, Julio says Dark Skies, Cam, and Unfriended. Did you see any of those?
0: I saw Dark Skies.
1: Yeah, I like that one.
0: Like, yeah, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, That was a good, that was like the alien invasion one, right? Where they like took over their house yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That was cool. Let's see. Uh, Phil rude. It says hush is the one that he goes back to over and over. He also really likes the hunt and black phone. Did you ever see the hunt?
0: I haven't seen the hunt.
1: Yeah, that's good. That had uh that came out like during the election year and it was kind of like a lot of political kind of social commentary built into it, but it was, it was interesting. It, it was good. It was good. I liked it. I, it was actually the last movie. I saw in theaters before everything shut down for COVID. It was in like March of 2020. Yeah. Uh, Sam Hurley says, The Black Phone, Hush, The Invisible Man, and Get Out. He also says, Honorable Mention, Fantasy Island. But he's kidding, I think. And we found found out in the comments that he was kidding. Fantasy Island's not good. Did you see that?
0: Fantasy Island. Is that a Blumhouse movie?
1: Yeah. It's the one where it's like you go to an island to like live out your dream, like your wildest fantasy oh, or whatever. Yeah, it yeah, ends yeah. up turning like, you know, so it's, it's not good. <laughs> uh, Joey DiCarlo from So Wizard says, Purge Anarchy, Happy Death Day and Freaky. Do you like any of the Purge films?
0: I haven't seen them.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a franchise that's really made a name for Blumhouse as well. Like they've had a lot of success with the Purge franchise for sure. Some of them are good. Some of them are kind of like, eh, I could take them or leave them, but. Overall, I think it's a pretty cool concept. Uh, Dan Roski, top tier patron of the fo- of, of the show, says Jezebel, uh, which I have not seen, actually, um, but that's his pick. David Powell says Happy Death Day, both of them. Oculus, Freaky, Creep, Split, Insidious, The Hunt, and Belko Experiment. There you go. Mm-hmm. You got some there. Uh, Paul from The Countdown says he does like some Blumhouse movies, although not very many. Uh, Freaky, The Belko Experiment, and Get Out. Uh, and that might be it guys, because a lot of people are saying they looked at our list, Lindsay, and they can't pick any, which I think is unfair. <laughs> I mean, there's some good stuff in there and then it's got to dig a little bit deeper, I guess, but there you go. Thank you guys so much for the feedback this week in the suggestion box and guys, make sure you check the show notes and join up there if you have not already, because that is where I interact with my fans the most. Lindsay, this was a delight. I really appreciate you being here and doing your research. You, you took it seriously and that really means a whole, whole lot to me. And I'm I hope you enjoyed doing it and getting to know a little bit more of these horror Blumhouse movies. And it was a blast to have you on the show. I really appreciate you being here.
0: I I had a blast doing it. I enjoyed my homework. Now I have a question for you, Gerald. Sure. Yeah. That I I you know I haven't heard you address that on your show yet, and I've been I've been listening for a bit. But why do you call your show Two Peas on a Pod?
1: Well, because it's always me and one other pea. So it's two of us. Tonight it's me and you. Uh, the way it, that's the. That's the like PC answer. But the reason why I really did it is because it was two peas. Initially, it was me, my friend, Andy. He left. Why are they peas? I don't know. I just thought it was a cool play on words. You know, you're two peas in a pod, right? You've (laughs) You've heard the expression before, right?
0: Uh, yeah, yes, of course. But I, yeah. I guess I was like, "Isn't your name isn't Peter or Paul. You know, so I was no, like, No, right, 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 right.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. Well, you know, me and my friend Andy, we used to work together and people would say, you're two peas in a pod because we were like always, gotcha. you know. So I was like, hey, why don't we just do two peas on a pod and it'll be kind of like a cool play on words. And then we did that and we got a really strong following and like, you know, patrons and everything else. And I was like, well, God, he quit. Do I change the name of the show? Or what do I do here? So Mm -hmm. I just kept it the same and I figured I'm one P and then, you know, I'll have my guest P on with me and we'll be two P's. I don't know. It is what it is at this point.
0: (laughs) No, that's great. I, you know, I I was just, I was so curious with what the genesis of the name was.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, thanks for asking. So now maybe other people will be like, finally, he asked answered answer why that's the name of the show. (laughs) Uh, Lindsay, tell them where they can find you, though, because you you told them at the top. But just remind everybody where they can find you online and follow you over there. Hopefully they'll look you up.
0: You can find me online at oneofmystories.com. That's the number one of com. Also on Twitter and Instagram at oneofmystories or letterboxed. And yeah, that I'll leave it at that
1: awesome yeah and once again thanks so much for being here i hope you come back soon i really appreciate it
0: thank you for having me on
1: all right guys we got one more one more spooky themed episode for this year one more october episode next week and it's the granddaddy we come back next week we're going to be doing our top five horror franchises of all time which is i've already recorded that one and i'm still sweating from having to come up with that list and narrow it down but we did and you'll be able to hear that next week but this week we hope you enjoyed your our top five blumhouse horror movies and thank you so much to my guest lindsey dunn for being here guys we will see you next week when we wrap up this october for 2022 i'll see you then
0: you're something different but you're just like me yeah we could be perfect we could be perfect baby if you let it be yeah